You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Diaspora Blues acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past and present and those becoming, as well as the owners of the land you're hearing us from. So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong and how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Jan. You're tuned in to Diaspora Blues. Welcome, welcome. It's the 30th of November, 2020. Hello, Jan. Hey, Big Wah. How was your trip? My goodness, it was so, so, so lovely. I went to Tagorong country. And it was gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful country, beautiful food. I swam in rivers and just walked around um, with a dear friend of mine. And it was just so refreshing and rejuvenating. And I just feel revitalized and good. Um, It was really, really, really beautiful. Yeah. And what was the occasion? To be with my friend. That is good enough reason to do that. Indeed. Uh, lots of really nice wines and there's a really lovely uh, gin distillery we like out there. And um, so we went and um, yeah, just did spontaneous things, um, laid in bed, read, um, had coffee, had loquats and I don't know. Yeah, it was super chill. Oh, wow. Really, really nice. Because I have you on, I have Big One on Instagram, so I was looking at her stories and it just looked so picturesque. Lucky you. How I, was your weekend? Um, my weekend was lovely. It wasn't as glorious as yours, obviously, but I took my cousins out to High Point. Um, shout out, Bilan and Bishara, if you're listening, you're probably not because you should be at school. But we took them to High Point and we went to Pancake Parlour And then we went to Time Zone, which is like a video arcade, and we played some games. But I completely forgot how stressful shopping malls are. Like, there's just too many people, too much noise. They loved it. But for me, I was like, I'm overwhelmed with everything, with the people, with the lights. So I forgot what it's like to be in a shopping center. It is overwhelming, honestly, yeah. I'm I'm suppose it's back to its regular... (laughs) scene (laughs) it's back nobody's i mean i don't want to say no one was wearing a mask inside the stalls there are people in there who will remind you because obviously you wear a mask when you're inside so i have sometimes walked in a store completely forgetting to put on my mask because i was outside so i've seen that happen people being tapped on the shoulder but it just seems like everyone's like everything's gone back to normal like nothing happened which is good because you want people to be, you know, getting on with life. But, you know, take some precautions. Indeed. I guess I was thinking also about how maybe um, black folks can't take the same level of 
easing like that. I feel, yeah, I, I don't feel like we, yeah. Anyway, so I think about that a lot as well and who is able to, I guess, bend and flip and, yeah. you know. Yeah. I totally, I totally hear that. I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed, I, I don't want to say I enjoyed the lockdown, but I enjoyed being on the street and then having the street to myself and then not seeing too many people and just, you know, right now, you know how it is when you're black, you just feel over surveillance. So I loved not feeling that way and just kind of walking around wherever I wanted to walk around. Um, but now that everything's gone back to normal, it's back to that anxiety of shopping while you're black, eating while you're black, all that is back on again. Mm. Um, so there's that. But you're right, you do make a good point about how some people, it's just back to same old. Um, yeah. And for us, same old isn't the best. <laughs> I guess it's a bit paradoxical in a way because there was that sense of peace and that sense of space uh, for me also, but there was also that sense of over policing even in that time and over yeah of, of black folks even then so it's almost like just we just flip it um back and forth in a way because there was that but at the same time you hear stories around you know maybe a lot of South Sudanese folks um got a, a overwhelming number of fines during that period um so yeah it's, it's a lot right it's 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 that it's really it's everything at the same time hmm. it is it coexisting in that way but um, certainly, I'm, I'm glad you had a really nice weekend. The weather was nice, and it um, was. It, it was. It's nice to be friends. Nice to be around family, and just nice to to get out um, when you can and how you can. Absolutely, so thankful. Very thankful. Um, but we have an amazing guest today. Who do we have, Big Wap? Oh, so exciting! Andre Dow, um, who's a writer, editor, and researcher. And an artist, the co-founder of Behind the Wire. Um, we're really interested to kind of, yeah, have them on the show. And um, they wrote an excellent piece for the monthly called A Minor Language about the Vietnamese bilingual program and what happens when educational departments view language from a narrow lens. Tune in to Imagining Disability Justice, 3CR's International Day of People with Disability podcast on 3rd of December. From 7am to 7pm, we're making space for disabled visionaries to discuss the pandemic year that was, abolition and building a better future. For details, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2020. 16 days of action against gender-based violence, November 25 to December 10. In the lead-up to Human Rights Day 2020, 3CR's feminist and gender activists bring you grassroots content demanding change for the annual 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence campaign. Visit 3cr.org.au forward slash 16 Days of Action. Looking after someone aged, a person with a disability, or someone with a mental illness or medical condition. As a carer, you can access free support online, over the phone, or in person. Carer Gateway is an Australian government initiative providing counselling, advice, respite, and much more. Find out how Carer Gateway can help you. Call 1800 422 737, Monday to Friday. 
or visit caregateway.gov.au. Carer Gateway, connecting carers to support services. A 3CR supporter. CR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. Welcome back. You're tuned into Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio. My name's Ayan and across from me we have Big Wachol. So I just want to quickly read an excerpt from Andre Dow's article, A Minor Language, that I feel like really sets the tone for our interview. To defend the Vietnamese bilingual program is to be speaking in a register that is foreign to the education department and its experts, and to many of the new families moving into Footscray. Uh, So if you've been listening to us for a while now, you know that earlier in the year we spoke to Tony Bui and Lana Nguyen about the axing of the Vietnamese bilingual program. If you miss that episode, that's totally fine. You can listen back on our 3CR page at 3cr.org.au slash Diaspora Blues. This afternoon, we continue our conversation about the Vietnamese bilingual program with writer, editor, researcher and artist, Andre Dow. Welcome to Diaspora Blues, Andre. Hi, thanks so much for having me. And thank you so much for coming on. First question, what we normally do is... We're really big on learning about people's genesis, right? So can you tell us a bit about your start? How did you get into language and um, migration? Why are those topics interesting to you, Andre? Sure. So um, both my parents are refugees from Vietnam. Uh, My mum was a a so-called boat person and my um, father came to Australia via France. Um, which is why, why I and my brothers ended up with the French names, actually. Um, but I guess, yeah, so from an early age, um, being bilingual um, and and coming not only from a bilingual sort of background, but knowing family were sort of scattered around the world, um, I suppose I was already always interested in questions of migration and language. Um but then particularly, um, I suppose, my interest in it was really sparked not until much later um, when I was, um, you know, finished school and doing university and reflecting on my experience as a child um, and realising that even though I'd been brought up speaking Vietnamese as the first language, I'd been discouraged from speaking it um, from sort of kindergarten onwards. Um, you know, my parents were sort of told oh, that, you know, you should really prioritise English so that, you know, Andre's learning um, can continue um, kind of unimpeded. And sort of from that point on, I became, I, I suppose I, I really internalised that voice, saying you know, English is the path to success um, and that Vietnamese was something that was not only not useful but maybe even a little bit shameful. Um, 
And I think because of that, you know, I rejected my parents' attempts to send me to Vietnamese school when I was in primary school. And yeah, so I guess my story is partly, you know, a story of loss of language and um, connection to culture, which um, which I only really started to work my way through once I'd become an adult. Yeah, wow, that's a really um, common experience, um, certainly in my community as well. And it's somehow that, um, you know, uh, your, uh, you know, languages that are not English are seen as somehow detrimental to a child's learning. And like you said, it's seen as kind of the path to success. Um, so I definitely, um, yeah, can relate to that. In in your article, you talk about two concepts, community and global. And firstly, can you give us a quick definition of the two? And then what are the implications behind those labels? Sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, the definitions, I think, um, and this is sort of telling, uh, the definitions are a little bit slippery. Um, so, I mean, a global language is supposed to be one that's spoken around the world. It has this kind of uh, this air of prestige about it, that it's um, a language that's going to be um, useful to the speaker, basically, um, and that a community language is then something that is spoken by a specific community um, and that people from outside of that community will have less use in learning that language. Um, but I said it's a slippery definition because you can look at various examples that um, seem to not quite within those categories and I think a good example is um, Arabic so um, by that kind of definition that I gave Arabic ought to fit very easily within um, a global language and it's spoken in so many places around the world it's undoubtedly useful if you want to uh, if you want to travel or or even from you know purely an economic economic um, perspective um, and yet Arabic clearly isn't considered a global uh, language in Australia. Um, it doesn't have that air of prestige. And I think, you know, unfortunately that comes down to a sense of who speaks the language. So um, Arabic is spoken uh, by people who don't have a lot of cultural, political power in Australia. Um, and, and the other languages that are deemed global, um, like French, um, are spoken by people with that kind of power. Um, another interesting example, I think, is Chinese. Where you see Chinese sort of fitting between these two labels as well. So, again, there's this sense, well, of course, Chinese is useful. Um, it's spoken all around the world. Uh, you know, it, it often gets brought up that China is Australia's biggest trading partner. So it has all these kinds of arguments for it. And yet there's still something about Chinese that isn't in terms of the way it's um, treated by, uh, by by government here. That's still a bit suspicious, or that the people aren't who speak it aren't quite as prestigious as um, the speakers of European languages or even Japanese. And so, it's, I think um, beneath those two terms, which seem quite bland, global and, and community, I think there's actually quite a lot of inbuilt kind of racial assumptions and, and, and power as well. One thing that you talk about that I feel like I could relate to was the idea of how we view language, right? So you talk about, um, you know, some people seeing language as part of receiving accolades, um, as a way to travel. But for us, and um, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but for me personally, 
language is about community it's about you know being able to speak to my mom being able to speak to my auntie having a connection to back home right i was wondering is that the same for you yeah definitely and so that's kind of i guess um what i was thinking of when i was saying before that um, you know this is something that i've been working through as an, as an adult really throughout my adult life is trying to regain that language that was lost and yeah, it's, it's absolutely more than just um, an ability to speak this language. Um, what I've really realised is that, you know, not being, able, not being completely fluent in Vietnamese means that I'm, I also don't see the world in the way that my parents and um, kind of the older generations in my family see the world. And that, um, it's not, yeah, so it's like it's a way of being in the world and there's this access to this way of being in the world that um, I wish... I, I have a deep wish that I that I had, um, and I think that's what learning any language can give you is access to history and community um, and a way of being that, um, that you, you simply don't have if you if you don't immerse yourself in in a language. It's kind of a a window or a gateway into um, another way of being. So, um, I mean, one of the things that I think Australia loses out on by being um, such a monolingual country is losing other ways of being. Um, and you know, perhaps a really important and prominent example of that is the fact that so few Australians, um, non-Indigenous Australians, um, uh, speak or have any concept of, um, of Indigenous languages. And um, you know, so that tied in with those languages are, are ways of being and knowledges about Australia or this place that. Um, that we don't have access to and that um, I think are really important and mm. would be enriching for us all. So that's, yeah, so it's much, much more, I think, than, than that commodity idea of language is something that you, you get kind of a certificate and you can use that as, a, um, as a, something to trade on, yeah. Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, Footscray Primary's justification for replacing Vietnamese with Italian is the shortage of Vietnamese-speaking teachers. But why is there a shortage? Is there a shortage? And how can teachers be supported? Yeah, so I definitely my first point there would be to say, to question the idea that there is a shortage. So there were um, a number of Vietnamese language teachers at Fitzgray um, Primary over the last few years, and, um, and they... Um, variously left or didn't have their contracts renewed and um, from the conversations I've had with parents and with um, with other teachers, the idea that those teachers weren't qualified or weren't good enough doesn't seem to really hold true. They consider them, almost all of them immediately got other jobs at other Victorian schools, often in other bilingual schools. Um, I think that, you know, it seems to be clear that they were good teachers and that there are other reasons why they left or that didn't have that construction new. That seems to be about um, the way in which they weren't supported by the, um, the old school um, administration. Um, but even beyond that, there is... So it's true that there are less Vietnamese teachers in, in Victoria than there are Italian teachers. And that's... Um, it's odd because more people actually study Vietnamese in high school than... Um, than Italian, and so there's obviously some kind of lack of um, 
support in later years in, in university to have people learning Vietnamese or having teachers learning Vietnamese. So, mm. yeah, I guess there's, there's two aspects to that. The question whether or not there is a shortage in the short term, and then in the long term, seems to be a lack of support for these community languages. In your article, you talk about gentrification. Well, you don't really say gentrification, but you talk about the changing face of Footscray. And there are those, I hate to play the devil's advocate because I hate that, but but humor me, um, do you think gentrification is in- inevitable? Is it just like part of life and the rest of us should just get on with it? Um, I mean, I don't think it's at all inevitable. Um, it depend, I suppose it depends what people have in mind with gentrification. Um, I think most people hope that um, a suburb like Footscray gets more government support and um, you know that the resources are shared equally between a place like Footscray and um, you know, kind of leafy eastern suburbs. So, you know, I, I don't think that. Um, holding on to the kind of cultural history of a place also means that it should be ghettoized and starved of resources. But um, that said, I don't think that um, by, by providing that kind of support means that a place has to lose its kind of cultural identity. Um, and I think, I mean, sometimes I'm optimistic about the way that Footscray seems to be um, maintaining um, its sort of place as a cultural hub. I'm thinking of places like Fitzgerald Community Arts Centre, which does uh, incredible work. Um, and, and the more that you have that kind of, um, kind of those sorts of institutions and that kind of community work and community art, the more likely it is that I think that you can avoid um, the whitewashing that so often comes with um, a kind of an increase in services and support. Um, on the other hand, I suppose what we see with Footscray Primary um, seems to be the, the government, at least, or the school administrators, assuming that the, the, the sort of the school profile is going to change, assuming that that whitewashing is going to come through and that gentrification is coming through, that's inevitable, and therefore that's why they felt justified in axing the Vietnamese program. Mm. So I think there's that perception of its in, inevitability, but I really, um, I guess I strongly contest that. Mm, thanks for sharing that. Do you have any updates um, about the Vietnamese bilingual program that you could share with us? Um, from the last that I've heard, um, it seems like the school is pressing ahead with hiring um, Italian teachers. And so um, in part, I think that the current battles um, shifted slightly towards um, trying to make sure that... So they've, they've said that they would keep teaching Vietnamese as a... Um, low to all language other than English program. So it's not um, it's far from what it was um, as a program because now it would only be two hours a week. Um, but I think that at least some in the Vietnamese community are now thinking, well, we at least have to fight to make sure that that's a meaningful program. Uh, and that's not something that just gets phased out after a year or two, but it's not just the kind of concession that they give in the short term. Um, so I think um, that's sort of the latest that I've been aware of is um, that perhaps the, the bilingual program as such, um, they are going to move that on to Italian um, for next year, but hopefully there's still, yeah, there's still room for, for a fight when it comes to um, the low program.
absolutely. And I think it's important for our listeners to know that this isn't the first time uh, the Vietnamese bilingual program has come under threat. Like it happened in 2016 and it was saved. So I don't know, I'd like to think po- positive and hopefully, you know, some kind person <laughs> will decide that, hey, this is really important to the community. We serve the community, therefore we're going to, yeah, keep something that's so vital and that's been around forever. Um, I know, because reading your blog, I know you've done incredible work and I'd love it if you could maybe touch on an incredible podcast that you did called The Messenger. The Messenger. Where can people listen to it? Sure. Um, yeah, so The, the Messenger is a podcast um, that was produced um, by uh, Michael Green, uh, myself and the team at um, the Wheeler Centre with um, with uh, Abdulaziz Mohammed, who uh, was a Sudanese refugee who had been detained on Manus Island for many years. And um, the podcast takes the form of a series of voice messages between Michael and Aziz on Manus. Um, and um, you can listen to it either through, you can just search for The Messenger on your favourite podcast apps. Uh, um, you can also head to the Wheeler Center website to find it. Um, yeah, I think it's, um, I like to think that it's a really um, beautifully told story about something that is um, a very dark um, chapter in Australia's history and something that's ongoing. Um, yeah, so please do um, give it a listen if you can. Mm. Excellent. And before we let you go, I noticed that you didn't plug your blog. Maybe now is an excellent time to do that because you've done incredible work that I think is so important for um, communities like ours to support and check out. Thank you. I'm always, um, I can uh, often forget to do that self-promotion side of things. So thanks for reminding me. So if you head to um, behindthewire.org.au, you can find all of our other work um, alongside the messenger. So we published a book um, a couple of years ago, uh, doing ongoing work around statelessness and migrant workers now as well. So uh, it's behindthewire.org.au. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Andre. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks to Andre Dell for joining us this week. What an important conversation. You can read all their work, including their award-winning podcast, The Messenger, by going to andredao.com. That's andredao.com, A-N-D-R-E-D-A-O. Even though it looks like the Vietnamese bilingual program might not continue next year, you can still show your support by signing the change.org petition. Go to change.org and research Save the Vietnamese Bilingual Program. Follow the campaign on Facebook at Save Viet Bilingual. That's Save Viet V-I-E-T Bilingual. You can also visit the Viet Bilingual program at vietbilingual.com. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune into Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe.
I am so, so sad that the Vietnamese bilingual program is might potentially not continue in the way I think it should. Um, yeah. How are you feeling, Ayan? Girl, it is, uh, like, I don't want to say sad because there's a lot of resilience in the mm, community, mm-hmm. but it is disappointing and it's not surprising. Like, Australia's history of erasing, um, you know, cultures and languages that aren't white, assimilating us into white Australia, you know, it's it's very much part and parcel of Australia. That was our show. Um, we'd like to thank Angie Dow. Uh, a minor language is the article we're referring to, f- referring to today. Check out their writing and podcast at andredow.com. Support the Vietnamese Bilingual Program on Facebook at Save Viet Bilingual. Thank you so much. That was Diaspora Blues. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.